Let us pray. Gracious Lamb of God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for the gift of your word. We give you thanks for this chance to share it with others. Uh, we give you thanks uh, for the technology that makes us all go. Um, but God guide us that we may be faithful in the task before us. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. All right, I'm going to switch back to going to give. Whoop, what? Nope. And click that. And here we are. Hello, friends. Um, for those of you on the audio version, you have no idea what's happening. I am. Uh, Stacy um, is taking a couple of weeks off. Um, he's just continuing to deal with the kind of never ending uh, personal stuff that has been um, been going on. Uh, he lost his mother. And so he's uh, dealing with all of that. So keep Stacy in your prayers. Um, but that means I uh, shout out to Ken for being the producer last week. Um, this week I'm the producer, and so I have I have two I have this wonderful like two tablet set up in front of me, um, and it means sometimes <laughs> there's a little bit of a delay. Anyways, um, my uh, producerless woes aside, welcome to Scripture Talk, our podcast where we take the opportunity to dig into our scripture for the week. I am Pastor Trey Comstock. With me as ever is Sister Brandy Dudley. Pastor Scott Ketchup. And um, as advertised, our scripture for this week is Acts uh, chapter 10, verses 44 through 48. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon, fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers had come with, who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they had heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter said, Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who had received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then, then they invited him to stay for several days. So you've got here, this is not a remarkable story if you just read the words. We were talking about this a little bit in the pre-show. If you just read the words, this is a story, you know, this is just a, a story of some people being baptized until you pick up on the subtle distinction, right? Um, the We are very used to a world where Paul has done his ministry. Paul has not done his ministry yet. There are not a lot of Gentiles who are Christians yet. The mission of the Gentiles has not gotten fully going. And yet here you see Peter saying, hey, let's baptize a bunch of Gentiles um, because, and this is important, the Gentiles clearly have the Holy Spirit with them, right? So yeah. this is, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. Then there is this period of time where it is still largely a Jewish thing, largely a thing happening um, in uh, in Judea, in Jerusalem, in the area around there. You know, last week we branched out to Samaria and Ethiopian eunuch, but even the Ethiopian eunuch was like Jewish adjacent. He was not have, would not have been allowed to be a full Jew, but he's Jewish adjacent. Here, we've now made the next real big jump out. Now we're bringing in Gentiles. And this would have been remarkable because, you know, Gentiles, Jews, not a good scene, right? One God's promise people one very much not and here peter is saying <laughs> what are we going to withhold baptism clearly god is with them you know in the uh, beginning of the church that was one of the big issues that you see is how to deal with the gentiles uh, paul has to address this uh, multiple times and things of you know well, how much are they allowed in and so i think that's one of the great things about this verse is it clearly shows that they're left going Okay, so uh, apart from what we think and what 
we understand God's given his seal of approval very evidently with the Holy Spirit. Now what do we do with them? Um, how can we withhold anything right. else? Well, and like, let's take the next step up. So this, the, the group of Gentiles they're talking about um, is led by this guy, is headed by this guy Cornelius, who yeah. is a member of the Roman Legion. Shit. So it's not even just like he's kind of Gentile or just like a Gentile that happens to be here. He is a member of the Roman Legion. Um, and so he is a representative of the oppressive evil empire, um, that is, you know, Rome, certainly in the eyes of the Jews and the eyes of many other peoples around the world at that time. Um, and it is Cornelius, um, and this crew of Gentiles that are now being baptized because it is clear the Holy Spirit is moving through them. Yeah. Yeah. Very much, uh, reminiscent of, uh. You know, the, nope. the later Star Wars movies where you have Finn, the ex-stormtrooper, yes. uh, wanting to join the rebellion. And they're like, but you were a stormtrooper. It's kind of that same thing. You have the bad guys all of a sudden has been blessed by God. And you're left going, but they're the bad guys. But it doesn't matter. They're all welcome to come on in and get baptized. Come to the water. Don't let it stop you. You know, let us go and get this thing done. And, and, and I think that it's this... Uh, an amazing thing because you look at how it's interesting where we tend to think things with God happen in a certain order I get saved and experienced then I turn and I get water baptized and then maybe later down I have the the this extra wonderful event that we may or call the baptism of the Holy Spirit where we see that God is just like hey it's all about whatever I want to do and me touching people there's no specific order Yes, it has its reasons and it tends to run that way, but we see that God is all about the relationship, not the checklist way of going about things. Mm-hmm. Well, and we get really, I mean, we, we often do this, we get really good at putting God in a box, right? Which is in some ways really relevant to this text, right? Um, that people have gotten really used to the God in the box, that God was in their box and not in the Romans' box. Yes. But in the same way of like this, then this, then this, then this, that the kind of the one of the real flexible things about kind of Methodist Christianity is that it blows that all apart, right? Like some people have that like one moment that they call getting saved and some folks they don't, but like clearly they are saved. And so what do you do when you don't have that one moment? Does there have to be that one moment? Do we have, does everyone in the Bible who comes to Jesus have that one identified moment? I know a lot of them do. And certainly a lot of people do. And the same thing of like, you know, for us, Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is present in baptism. That is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, is exactly. Holy Spirit's present in baptism. Now, there might be other opportunities where the Holy Spirit shows up and takes you to a new level. That mm-hmm. could happen once. That could happen a bunch of times. Yeah. You have no idea, right? That, like, we we really... And, th- you know, this shows up in Scripture. This shows up in modern Christianity. We love to, like... Okay, now I know the categories of things, right? right. One of the natures of humanity is we love to categorize. And we, you know, we've we like taken the labels. Whole, we love the labels. Like scientists fight about, is this or this? Or is this type of mollusk or this type of mollusk? What kind of family does it fit into? And, and, and we do this with people, right? Are you from here? Are you from here? Are you from this kind of people or this kind of people? Where the genetic difference is almost nil. Same with religious experience, right? Like God just works. Right. And, and mm-hmm. sometimes it fits neat categories. And sometimes as here, it blows up those categories. And so maybe the categories themselves, are the problem. And we just say, don't put God in a box. But there are some people that believe that if you don't experience like uh, here, the Gentiles had evidence that the Holy Spirit was present because they started speaking in tongues. 
And people believe that if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. Yeah, Paul wrote a letter to those people. It's called First and Second Corinthians. Yeah. Where literally, like, this is one of those, like, um, this has been addressed yeah. in Scripture. Mm-hmm. You just thought, and again, some people take this too far and then, like, doubt all tongues. Obviously, that's not true. Tongues, very biblical. Tongues, still present today, right? Yeah. So do not take my next, my statement as anything other than in line with Paul lays out in the Corinthians. Because what Paul lays out in the Corinthians is there are many gifts and one spirit, yeah. and no one gift is more valuable than the other. Right. right? Like, I understand that Scripture often leaves gray areas where it doesn't address it directly and so you have to like work and think and pray and study and I spell a lot of my life in those kind of questions of like how do how do you I mean this is the like this is a subject we stay right largely stay away from but like this is the debate around human sexuality in in the modern world right how much is it directly related and you have to like go on like scant pieces of evidence from over here and over here literally there's a letter about like Paul this is one where Paul addresses correctly to first church Corinth um, yeah. First Church Corinth decided, oh, we are so good. We are so spiritual. <laughs> yeah. We are so spiritual. We are the church of the tongues. We are the we, we are the church who speaks in tongues. Um, you got a Honda. And 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 you know we all we all drive Volvos, um, and and we're very we're, we're, we we are very sensible, um, but we speak in tongues, and that is of course the marker of a true Christian. And Paul says, by I think literally this is another one of those by no means, yeah. right. We got some uh, good uh, comments going on in chat um, uh, earlier on talking about uh, how they were dealing with uh, the Gentiles. It said they, they kind of talk about them like stray dogs. And so they find themselves going, um, these got dumped here. What do we do now? Uh, God doesn't like boxes. Uh, someone saying that they've been told that before about tongues. And then not everyone gets dreams, but some do. Gifts are just that. Not everyone gets the same thing at Christmas. Well, and and again, back to what Paul gets, back to Paul, right? Like, Paul literally says, this is like, this is the body of Christ analogy, right? That like, some are the arms and some are the legs and some are the mm-hmm. mouth, right? Like, if everyone speaks tongues, but no one have gifts of mercy, we're worse off. If everyone speaks tongues and no one is a teacher or a prophet or a whatever, right? And even then, don't get legalistic about the list of gifts that Paul yeah. lays out. Mm-hmm. Because what Paul is try- trying to list is just all the gifts he can think of at that moment to make a point, not, it's not this very small list that you have come up with, it's this slightly bigger list that I have come up with, right? That, you know, a lot of what Paul is trying to do is blow the doors off this, as, as happens here, right? That this is, um, anytime you think of, I, so I, I've told this story a little bit before, but I, I met the um, the uh, uh, South African uh, Methodist Bishop, Peter Story. Um, he is a white guy who stood against apartheid. He was on the right side of history here. Um, and he came and spoke at my college and I got to introduce him. Um, I got to do the introduction for him. And uh, the thing he said that's always stuck with me and that I bring up a lot is like any time Christianity plays the who's in and who's out game, we lose. Mm, right. If you yeah. look at the like, you know, and, 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 and certainly this comes up in Acts, this comes up in Paul's letters and it comes up in issues down the road. Anytime we try, we try to play the game of who's in and who's out in God's grace. These are the times when we lose. This is when we stray into rejecting the Gentiles because they're Gentiles or rejecting, uh, you know, Jewish Christians because they're Jewish Christians or uh, burning people as witches, right? Like this is the, the, the logic, the logic of who's in and who's out is where you end up in witch trials. Mm-hmm. 
Right, and that's one of the uh, interesting things when you look throughout uh, Christianity at uh, where we have, as you just said, and oftentimes failed in it. It is about unifying and about being one body when oftentimes we've taken it and used it to cause separation, mm-hmm. you know, we being just church in general, not uh, specifically. And so we've seen that in racial areas. Yep. We've seen that in denominational areas. Yep. We, we've seen it throughout history. And at some point you would think we would get, because again, unity is another one of those <coughs> places that isn't the gray area to figure out. There are multiple direct letters addressing that direct uh, we're straight from Jesus talking about that. Well, and as we've as we've talked about before, one of the way the times when church, the church has shown its greatest strength is when it's shown its unity in diversity, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Because at no point was even in the upper room the church was not monolithic. Because you had some who were Galileans and some who were zealots and some right. Even the disciples mm-hmm. themselves are not all. We think of them all as fishermen. They were not all fishermen. They were zealots and tax collectors and fishermen. There were a lot of fishermen, uh, but Jesus was a carpenter, yeah. right? Um, and they were not all rich and they were not all poor, right? You have, um, even if you look at the, the burying of Jesus, right? You have Joseph of Arimathea, who is a wealthy man. You have Josie, um, you have, uh, shoot, uh, oh, who am I thinking? Up here, John, in John chapter three, um, the Pharisee that ends up on Jesus' side. Nicodemus, thank you. You have Joseph Arimathea. You have Nicodemus, um, these uh, movers and shakers and powerful men. And then you have Jesus' poor mother, the widow of a carpenter, Mm -hmm. right? And so already you're seeing like diversity and yet unity. And even like that's part of the story of how scripture comes to be, of how how we have the four gospels that we have, right? Do the gospels... Um, have the exact same perspective on Jesus? No. But they were shared among the different communities Mm -hmm. and they were found to have the one spirit within us. We are at our best when we recognize we are different um, and yet we are all loved by God and we share in this one uniting thing that is, you know, Christ's salvation and the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, Where we get in trouble, whether in the scriptural story or the story thereafter, is when we try to say, as Peter story put it, like, you know, play the who's in and who's out game, right? Because that's not, I don't think when we get to the pearly gates, St. Peter is going to ask us, I don't actually think that's how that works. It doesn't matter, right? It's a useful useful (laughs) image common to cartoons, right? When you get to those pearly gates, I don't think Jesus, you know, Peter's going to ask us, hey, how many interdenominational battles did you get into? Um, (laughs) How vigorously did you defend the King James version of scripture, right? Like, (laughs) and I just don't think that that, you know, doesn't doesn't matter. Um, as my bishop Scott Jones often puts it, you know, got to keep the main thing the main thing. Yes, and like in this case, yeah, no, very much so. This is them, like Peter, going, no, 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 this is what we're here to do. Let's do that thing. Let's baptize these guys. Clearly, the Holy Spirit's with them. So, like, wh- how can we deny what the Spirit's already done? I think that's why the church is burdened like it is now because we concentrate on things like who's the best denomination yeah. and. What book of the Bible you got to study in? If you don't be reading the right Bible, you you can't get into heaven uh-huh. and stuff like that. So <laughs> it's a it's a burden that we don't really need to have, and we need to remember that we're all on the same team playing for the same coach. It it's like the uh, church has become bottled down with cliques. Mm-hmm. You have cliques within the each body, and then 
the denominations themselves often become cliques. And then we wonder, why are people not flocking into this? Well, because if they don't meet the certain demographic, then they might be shunned or they might not be welcomed. And that is sad. Uh, and, you know, we heard it said uh, that uh, Sunday morning is the most Martin segregated King, yeah. time. Yes, yeah, yeah. Martin Luther King, most segregated time. And, and it's, that's sad. It shouldn't be that way. Uh, we, we miss out on expressions of worship. We miss out on so much blessing by having ourselves surrounded with uh, photocopies of ourselves. Mm. Well, and we set such a really poor example, right? Um, that you know, Christians often set a really poor example of how you're supposed to live in the world because we have all of this great theological material. We just read some about how blow the doors open. Right? Oh, yo, they're Gentiles. That guy's in the Roman Legion. Oh, but the Holy Spirit used him. So he's in. So God says he's in. So if God says he's in, uh, you can't say he's out. And then we spend so much of our time and energy not evangelizing, not telling about God's love, not even not even doing the also important work of caring for the body, right? Mm-hmm. You know, praying and laying hands and, and, and doing the, you know, again, we didn't cover it in this run through. Actually, there's also like the, the call of the deacons to, yeah. you know, serve and care for the body, right? That's mm-hmm. also a very biblical role. Um, no, we actually spend it sniping at each other about how um, uh, we're going to heaven and you're not. Huh? Um, and if you can't get, uh, it's just because the last time oh, that we're fine. Okay. Um, if you can't get on board um, with our with our exact like this belief and this belief and this belief, uh, then you're out. And like I, you know, as I often say, like I don't want to go to that party. I don't want to go to the party where that's the thing that matters. And I don't think that's the party that I don't think that's the party table that Jesus set. Yeah. Um. You know, it makes me remember about how uh, when I was in at SFA and in Chi Alpha, uh, the campus pastor was talking about listening to different pastors and ministers speak and all that. And he gave the analogy that uh, listening to these people speak is a lot like eating fried chicken. Okay. You have to take the meat and throw away the bones. <laughs> and, then, and then he paused, and I don't remember which one of us, but we, you know, we, we never went. So how do you know what is bones? Aha! That's why you have to do your personal study. That's why you have to get into learning that so that you can determine what does and doesn't meet up with the heart of Scripture. Well, and it's not even that. I, I, I'm not making some argument that there should never be accountability oh, and that no, all no. theology is good. No, clearly I have my axes to grind. I have this podcast um, and two <laughs> sermons a week to grind them. Um, they are all at facebook.com slash Palestine Grace Church. You want to know what theological axes I have to grind? Certainly I've got some. But my question to myself um, and to anyone else reading Acts 10 or reading Acts is... What is Luke trying to tell us about what was good about the early church? Because this, I mean, let's be clear, like Acts is Luke's love letter to the early church. Mm-hmm. Um, Luke sees it, um, seen through Luke's eyes, it is a golden age. And we carry that with us, right? We carry this idea of the early church as a golden age. So what made it golden? Well, seemingly part of what makes it golden is a progressively moving outwards, both yeah. physically 
um, and spiritually, and it is always a movement to including more and more and more people. There is accountability within that, but the key, like, energy is not spent on infighting. It is saying, no, let us stop infighting and let us see where the Holy Spirit is moving. Yeah, let them come to you as far as uh, letting the Spirit move on people because I think Luke is trying to say that the barriers are finally being broken to where all can come to the table now. It's mm-hmm. not just for certain people. Now everybody's welcome to come in and let the Spirit prove himself by bringing the multitude to them and move on them and be baptized. Uh, we got another uh, good comment in here. It says, you get better, deep conversations and better study when talking with people from different beliefs uh-huh. and the backgrounds. And, and, and it's true. Uh, it's, but yet all of it comes down to this relational aspect of how God wants to pour his love out on everybody. Uh-huh. Well, and I think there's a humility piece to it as well that says, maybe, maybe, I don't know everything. Yeah. Right? That maybe, so I passionately defend what I believe, of course, Mm -hmm. but leave that room to say, but maybe I don't see it all, right? We you know, Back to Paul again, we, we see through the lens darkly, yeah. right? We don't, even he, Paul, who is like one of the foundational fish, fixtures of what we can call Christian theology, right? right. If Christ, Christ is obviously the founder, but um, Paul is the best writer early Christianity had. Um, and even he says, yeah, I definitely don't see all of it. And so there is that like humility of, I've done my study. I've done my homework. I think I, I really think I know what the spirit is saying. I really think I know what scripture says. I really think I understand um, how this works, but leave open that humility of maybe you found something that I haven't, um, or maybe we're both kind of right and both kind of wrong. Uh, we have an interesting question. Uh, it asks, uh, was baptism of non-Jewish people a big deal? So the Jews? was that part of it? In Judaism of the time, mm-hmm. so I mean, this, this gets at like what's an what do you mean? By, what do you mean by Jew and non-Jew? Right, exactly. So there was this concept of being a proselyte, which means you were um, not of Jewish descent, but on your journey, on your way in to becoming Judaism. It just, I, I guess, this still exists today, right? Um, in today, in modern Judaism, you get rejected three times, and then you have to keep yeah. coming back. And there's a whole, there is an onboard, there's an onboarding process to becoming Jewish, <laughs> um, just as there's an onboarding process to becoming Christian, right? Yeah. Um, and so. There certainly was a concept of you are not a Jew and you move in, you can move into becoming a Jew. It was even then, as I understand it, a very elaborate process um, that couldn't work out for everyone. We met someone last week um, who it just didn't work out for because he was a eunuch. He was never going to become fully Jewish. He could never really become a true proselyte um, because of his status as a eunuch. And so I, I don't know about ritual baptism specifically, but there certainly was uh, an idea of Jewish growth the mm-hmm. way there was Christian growth. The Jewish diaspora in it spiraled out. You would have Gentiles. This is a strange statement. It's Gentiles who are also Jews. You would have Gentile yeah. Jews um, and Jewish Jews. And, the, and, and this is like 
because Judaism, as it is today, is both um, theological identity and ethnic identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe this would be useful to differentiate Judaism and being Semitic, yeah. right? Like you would have non-Semitic people who were Jewish, um, just as you would have Semitic people who were not Jewish. Um, and so certainly, yes, there was at least somewhat of an emphasis on you are living in the diaspora, you are not living in Jerusalem, you have the option through your local synagogue, this is how the synagogues win, this is how part of how the Pharisees win, um, in terms of Judaism, right? The, mm-hmm. the Judaism that exists today is descended from the Pharisees. Yeah. Um, is this concept of um, that Judaism is about a keeping of the law, the keeping of Torah, um, and not just about you, you are born this way right because what the pharisee says is like oh you can be born into this nation but are you acting like it and this is where the pharisees are right they're just they just get so close like you get the sense that you know jesus frustration with the pharisees is just like you are so close but you just got off one stop too early yes (laughs) keep the law yes be extremely dedicated to the things of God no don't shun the people who don't behave appropriately you were so close yeah there's this balance between that can kind of sometimes get confusing between Jewish religion versus Jewish nationality that right. kind of crosses over mm-hmm. and, and and at the time you're, you're starting to have this separation and it's not quite fully there yet of Christianity being a separate idea but it's it's moving in that direction but as, as at this particular point they were just Jews who recognized Jesus as the fulfillment of what they had been told you know, the Messiah you know that's why he's called the Christ and so in it they're just seeing this fulfillment of what's supposed to have been promised to the Jews. And so in some ways that is kind of their mindset of this is what, which is why they were all shocked within this, I think in the story of, mm-hmm. Hey, okay. So God's given them this. So he's opened up the door for them, obviously. Yeah, like, this is it. This is, and yet it this continued is. to be, it took them a, it wasn't a one time all of a sudden they got it. We see throughout acts and Galatians and other places, this issue of how to deal with what God's doing with the Gentiles in accordance to what their box of understanding was. Well, again, it, it, it seems it seems simple enough to us as Gentile Christians that, of course, that's obvious. And it is certainly very scriptural, very in line with what Jesus said, very in line with the, what, what is clearly the long arc of God. But if you have been living in a thought world that has existed for at least a thousand years— Right. There's probably it's not totally clear. Right. But there's probably like a thousand years between the return from Egypt and Jesus 700, like a really long time, hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Right. There's been a temple for 600, 600, 800 years. Shoot, yeah. I'm smarter than this. I can, anyways, hundreds of years, centuries. Yeah. Right. And so you've been told a lot of things that is true about God. God is ours. Um, being one of them, and God is in the temple, right? Um, And so what Jesus shows up and says, no, God isn't just in the temple. God is here right now. Hi, hello, so nice to meet you. I am God. This is strange for you, I know. I am God. Um, So glad we can make this acquaintance. And by the way, I am for everyone. And um, if you want to know it's true, um, I can tell you it because I am, in fact, God. Hello, again, (laughs) so nice to meet you. Um, That is... 
again, we have grown, we have grown up in a Christian thought world. Yeah. Um, for most of us, um, I think all three of us, we grew up in the Bible Belt. That's right. Um, yeah. And so, of course we know, of course, God is for the Gentiles. Um, okay, yeah, obvious to you, 2,000 years later, um, yeah. when you've been grown, when you live in that world, like you see, but you see them, then this is where the disciples become realistic examples. They don't get it immediately, exactly. but they do get there. Get there, yeah. Later on, but it took a while, you got there. <laughs> no, another good question going, uh, why was it easier for them to accept non-Jewish people becoming Jews, but had issues with Samaritans? So Samaritans were ruining the thing that they love. Yeah. So the the fundamental thing with Samaritans is they believe in God, but they do not believe in the temple. And so if you see those two things as fundamentally linked, um, what the Samaritans are doing is like taking this thing that you love, that you think is beautiful, and doing it poorly or wrong or in a way that is anathema, right? Um, So it is more... it is more than like denominational differences, but you can think of, this is not a perfect analogy, but it gets <laughs> close. Think about the tensions between Catholics and Protestants in yeah. uh, Northern Ireland, Indeed. right? Yeah. So you have a territorial issue, you have a history of violence issue, and you have a worship issue, um, all, all intermingled, mm-hmm. right? Um, so for um, the average Judean Jew, looking at the average Samaritan, A, the Samaritans have done well because they've collaborated with Rome in a lot worse ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a class and hierarchy and wealth issue. There's also a betrayal issue. Um, and they are ruining the worship of God from your perspective. That's why. Like, it is not just like a Gentile becoming Jewish is becoming Jewish. Yeah. Samaritans are saying, um, from the perspective of a you know, first century Jew is say, are telling lies about Yahweh. Yeah. Um, right. Um, I, this is, yeah, uh, we're going to go with, I have other analogies that, that, that push, that push harder buttons. Let's go with, um, <laughs> let's go with that. Um, Protestants and Catholics in Northern Ireland. It's, again, it's not perfect, but it gets to issues of territory, issues to a history of violence and issues of faith all rolled together. And certainly yeah. it is a very complex political situation. Um, and, 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 and our friends, the, you know, early Christians live in that same world. Yeah. Um, it, Luke finds it important to mention. And we went to the, and Phil, you know, Philip, you know, back in chapter four, um, goes to the Samaritans. Yeah. And Luke mentions that, right? Because it is still remarkable to them. Um, the story of, of, of Jesus and the Syrophoenician woman and Jesus in Samaria mm-hmm. um, are all remarkable because it is, this widening was not obvious. Both to Jews and to the concept of religion at all. Um, you had nations and their gods, mm-hmm. right? Not all nations, one God. This is like, you know, the Christianity is one of the grand corrective efforts of God in the world because saying, no, 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 no. Uh, divine power, one way for everybody. This is all really radical stuff. It just doesn't feel that radical because that's where we live. Yeah, and I, and I was going to point out what you were 
we were saying there, it wasn't just the Jews that viewed that and had that understanding of the separations of gods and stuff. We see that played out in the story of the uh, Samaritan woman at the well right. with Jesus and her perspective and her questions of going, why are you even talking to me? You all uh-huh. say that it's okay to worship there when we worship. You know, So you see this idea of that's just the culture that they were in, that it was separate for each nation. Well, and the they have built this like systems of power and, and all this stuff around yeah. it too. Right. And this is where you see Jesus as corrective to the temple, right? Jesus mm-hmm. is not just corrective to the Samaritans and saying, no, it's not quite like that. Uh, you worship here. They worship here, worship here. Right. For those of you in the video version or not on the video version, I pointed uh, as if I, as this is Jesus, right. Point, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. you worship on this mountain, you worship on this temple. How about you worship Jesus who is right in front of you? Right. Um, so it's, it is a corrective every, like this is also Paul and Romans, right? Everyone gets issued a corrective. Everyone's Mm -hmm. a trash fire for some reason, maybe a trash fire for different reasons. Um, but everyone's a trash fire for some (laughs) reason. And therefore everyone is in need of God's grace. Yeah. Why Jews are trash fires is different than why Gentiles are trash fires. Jews is because they had the law and failed at it. Uh, Gentiles are because uh, they've gone hog wild in some really fascinating and terrifying ways. Um, but everyone's a problem in their own way. It's beautiful. And Jesus casts the net wide to bring us all in. Right. Yeah, which is the, the heart of what we're seeing in this uh, verse here. Mm-hmm. Just that exact thing happening. Everybody's welcome. Come on in. And on that, it's probably as good a place to end it as any. Thank you so much for joining us um, on uh, this week's edition of Scripture Talk. If you have feedback, comments, whatever, uh, post them. You can post comments on our Facebook page, uh, post comments over on our YouTube channel, our website, palestinegrace.com slash videos, um, or you can search, uh, or you can email me, gracechurchpalestine at uh, gmail.com. Of course, um, you can also get an audio-only version of this podcast uh, wherever you find a finer podcast just search scripture talk by grace church and we will be back next week uh hopefully with a producer of some kind because uh, it's just easier for me um and also um with another edition of scripture talk so go in peace to love and serve the lord and fear not stay well god is with us now with a little bit of luck i hit this button and we dance there we go computer mouse at my station so I can continue to see the confidence monitor because I assume you know I can you know I'm sure it's fine I'm sure it's fine everything's fine here